You're listening to the My Three Picks podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ages. On each episode of the show, we'll be talking with some really interesting people who will be sharing three of their favorite pictures with us. Maybe it'll be pictures they've been in, pictures they've taken, or pictures they just really like. But the common thing between all the pics will be that there's something important or meaningful to those pictures that has had an impact on their lives somehow. So sit back, get comfortable, and let's get on to the podcast. Welcome back to the My Three Picks podcast. Um, as my friend Zaudi says, it's been a hot minute since my last podcast. And the truth is, I needed a little, I think I needed a little time out. I needed a little time out from recording. So, you know, I need to clarify that. I love doing this podcast. I love talking to my guests. I love sharing stories. I love seeing the pictures, getting into the, the nitty gritty. And honestly, it's one of the best things I do. And I really do look forward to it. But I needed a mental break from it because it does take some effort to get sorted out. And lately, I don't know, with the whole pandemic, I just needed a break. I needed to put something down. And so that idea of putting something down, I think, is a lesson that I learned uh, some time ago. And honestly, it's been a life changer. And the ironic thing about that lesson was it was actually me who needed to be put down. And uh, (laughs) that was an ex-girlfriend of mine putting me down. I was heartbroken. Definitely at the time, but over the years, that kind of idea and the thing she said, which was literally, I need to put you down, uh, it started to make a lot of sense to me. You know, we only have so many resources at our disposal to deal with things, and sometimes we just need to put something down. Maybe we pick it up up again later, you know, and that didn't happen for me with the ex, clearly. Um, And maybe we don't, but it's been very freeing and it's a very honest approach that I've taken with my life, and I'll continue to do so. So I just wanted to say that's why I've been a bit quiet. I know you've all been missing me dreadfully, right? Okay, Uh, therapy over, now back to the show. So Ray Morris is my guest today, and I'm so glad and happy that she's on the show because she's also a personal friend of Jez Smith, who, as you may recall, was a guest on my podcast for episode 11. And any pal of Jez's is a pal of mine, and she's welcome on the show. She's also the real deal when it comes to makeup, entrepreneurship, work ethic, and on and on. Just a little background on Ray. She's one of the most influential makeup artists in the world. Uh, she's the number one best-selling author and four times Australian Makeup Artist of the Year. She's the longest-serving makeup director of L'Oreal Paris, which she did from about 10 years. And she's been inducted into multiple halls of fame. She, re- she regularly works on editorial covers, fashion, and beauty features for magazines such as Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and ID Magazine. So Ray's joining us from Sydney, Australia today. So good morning, Ray, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark, and a big hello from Sydney. Um, love Canadians, so I'm very excited <laughs> to be talking to you today. <laughs> yeah, so great. Well, you're, you're, you've endeared yourself to me just by saying that. Um, but do you, and do my you dog ever, has started to bark. Ah, Sorry. it's okay. It's okay. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever have those moments, you know, in your life where you're like, I just need to put something down right now. Things are heavy. Every day. When you said that, I'm just sitting here going, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, my brain is the one thing. Yeah, I need to put my brain down every day. That was a really, I, I just sat here going, absolutely. Um <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's hard being me. It's hard being inside my head. <laughs> and also I think putting something down, people pleasing. I'm just such a yes person and the whole yeah. 
the whole epidemic, you know, yeah. this whole crazy time, it's been like, yeah, I've got to start to say to say no and 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 put my anxiety down. Like, you know, what right. like, work on that, Ray, work on that. So that was really, yeah, I was, thank you. It was that little kick yeah. that I needed today. So thank you. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, it came from like, it came from a humbling place, you know, <laughs> like this ex mm. of mine is like, I'm, t- I got too much going on. I need to put you down. And I was like, oh man, yeah, ouch, ouch. But you know, definitely over time. It's I've true thinking, though. Yeah, I know. And that's, you- that's a really good, interesting thing too, because people what? always say to me, you know, they're overachieving and you do all these things, but they're not, they're sometimes they're done out of anxiety because I don't, you know, never felt comfortable sitting still. So right. I look at really successful people and I think, where's it coming from? Sometimes it is coming from just a, a a positive motivation, but sometimes it's running from something too. So, yeah. and that will burn you out. So when you said putting something down, I thought, yeah, it's putting that part down. That was really insightful. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always thought about it in terms of like juggling, you know, and you've got like, you might have six things up in the air and you're just like, I just need to put one of these six things down just because I'm yeah, quite handling totally. it. How do you, like, how do you, what do you do to reconnect with yourself? Cause you're busy. You got a lot going on. What do you, what do you do to reconnect yeah. when you need to, what do you do? Um, reconnect. Uh, it's really, it's really bizarre. I feel that I, I'm one of these people. Okay. So I kind of grew up a little bit, the, I did everything back the front. So I grew up with a very amazing uncle who was with the Dalai Lama. His name is Swami Chidnandu. And he was teaching me about transal meditation from the age of like three. And then I met Deepak when I was seven and I did all that stuff. And then right. I remember I, I was at the age of 20 with so much anxiety and exhaustion. And I thought, I just need to go to therapy. Mm. So I did, I did. It, so I kind of, for the last, I think 10 years of my life, I've been very anti anyone that comes near me with anything spiritual, gives me a self-help book. I'm like, no. <laughs> and so I've had to really learn about balance. But for me, I just find distraction. The thing that make, that helps me is just finding things I just really enjoy doing, no matter if there's no outcome. Right. And that's the thing I've had to learn. So things like my friends go, why don't you go and lay in the park? See, I find that really distressing. Mm. I find sometimes being alone really distressing. So it's just been finding random things. And some of the, my, my new thing is just watching old boring movies, yeah. um, podcasts and my things, because I just need a time for my brain not to think. And then yeah. When I'm more relaxed, I, I feel like I'm a better person. But I'm not one of these people, I'll be honest, I'm not one of these people. It's, I go on a walk. I go and meditate. I My brain's it's just so full on. I find for me I've got to find something completely like doing a puzzle or yeah. I listen to crime podcasts. I know that's not relaxing, but I find them fascinating <laughs> where I don't have to think. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I do is going down the rabbit hole. I know. And my favorite thing to do to chill out, and I love this, I go and find my favorite artists on Instagram. These are things from photographers to designers and yeah. like to Raph Simmons to Paolo Reversi, and I find who they follow. Yeah. And then I start going on this real creative rabbit hole that for <laughs> hours I absolutely love doing. And, I yeah, I find that really relaxing. And that might sound very random, but, no. yeah, I don't find the traditional things. Like I don't do yoga and I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I wish I did. Probably right. help me more. But yeah, it's just distracting my brain from the thoughts in my head. I need a break from my own head. <laughs> yeah. I need a holiday. <laughs> yeah, from myself. <laughs> yeah, from myself. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I know you kind of get, you got your start in hairdressing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So whether it's my, I mean, 
Sorry, go, go, go. I'm, no, I, no, no, this no, no, is, no. This is the, 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 the bloody thing of a Zoom. It's like, uh, 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 sorry, no, we're so far away. You got, like I say, you, you, you are talking to someone from Mars. I mean, I could not be further away from you right now. <laughs> and I've got to be patient and go, Ray, this has to go to space first and then come back down. Because yeah. I get really annoyed too. But I'm like, okay, wait, it's got to go to space and then come back down. Okay, <laughs> give it a second. <laughs> uh, yeah. So please go. Okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, you know, so you, you started in hairdressing. I know, I mean, I know the story. I want to hear the story about Naomi Campbell. I just, A, because she scares me, but B, because I think it's kind of cool. But we'll talk about that later. Um, but whether, it, you know, whether it's hair, makeup, uh, photography, dance, acting, whatever, whatever the creative pursuit, um, there always seems to be kind of a, like a need or a fire in that individual to create something. Like, was that the case for you way back when, even, even um, with like hairdressing, were you just like, I need to, I need to create. I wish that was the answer. Isn't it funny? It's actually, for me, it's not, I'm probably the most, I believe one of the most uncreative person, p- people yeah. to go into one of the most creative um, jobs. And this is what I always say to people who feel they can't do what I do. I think right. for me, I wasn't good at anything. I failed school, dyslexic. Hated my home life. Um, my mum was a bodybuilder um, yeah. and my dad was, you know, Vietnam vet and they were just, you know, a bit, bit, bit of trauma. Um, right. And for me, I just thought hair, I mean, hair was for me, I, I just worked at a salon part-time and I just wanted to escape ending up like my family did. You know, I just wanted to, to I didn't even want to be a hairdresser. And I think Big, having this job on Saturday morning so I could earn money because in my mind I wanted to be a vet, don't know why. Okay. And that's what I thought I was going to be. And I thought, and what it, so it's funny you say that though, um, because what I learned was all the animals I loved looking after always had long hair. And so, <laughs> how so I think the there was a hairdressing is what I was meant to do, right? I was attracted to the animals with long hair because I like playing with their hair. So then I got a job in a salon thinking I wanted to be a vet, but what it was was actually creating hair. And then I actually found that I was really good at it. I never thought I would be really good at it. It's like makeup as well. I never, I never came from an arty background. I couldn't draw. Um, it was a thing where I was hairdressing, but I had um, problems in my wrists. I developed carpal tunnel. So yeah. hair was, I couldn't even hold scissors. It was so painful. And right. I modeled for, I always say I modeled for a minute and I was a model in the eighties. And that was a time where as may, as getting your makeup done, it was a time where your face was really transformed. Like you never looked like how you look naturally. Right. So I remember sitting in front of a mirror and having my face completely look unrecognizable to myself. I was like, whoa, you could do that. And um, it was just one of those things. It was makeup artists who would be doing my makeup, but I could do hair and and the makeup artists, you know, do a bit of this, do a bit of that. Again, never thinking I was good at it. Mm. And so the career just happened for me, but I never sat back. And I, I, I always wondered what that would be like. Imagine having a dream of being a makeup artist and really going for it, where for me it was I was going down a completely different path, right. was doing this because there's nothing much else I could do, found out I was good. It'd be like all of a sudden if I said to you, um, you want to be a singer, but you became an opera singer, like, but you never knew that was even in your body. Like it, right. it's so that's why I think for me, I never wanted it that much. So losing it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. You know, I never went, I, know, I have yeah. to do this. It's the only thing I want to do in my life. So I right. think that's what helped me because I never thought I'd be good enough. And I don't think I'd last that long. So every job I did, I thought, well, I'm never going to get another one. So yeah. I think that's kind of was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, but clearly you have like this, you know, you got it inside you, you know, you have that kind of creativity, right? Yeah, yeah. You do, I, you do. I, you do. <laughs> I, I do, I do. But you, you know, it's really funny. Whenever I hear that word, it's funny because, and this is more of a recent thing, which is going to probably throw this into you so left to center, but I <laughs> I have this, I'm going to like really forward to, to this year, but yeah, it yeah. kind of all makes sense. But one of my favorite jobs is I work on, I'm on a, a panel for two plastic surgery boards. They're actually global and they they base themselves all around the world. And I lecture, I'm the only non-medical, non-plastic surgeon speaking at these conferences. They teach doctors about beauty. Yeah. And there was one, one of my favourite plastic surgeons was speaking and another plastic surgeon asked him, you know, what is the one tool you could teach other doctors? And he said, it's really simple. You teach everybody the science of fire. You teach if you, there's a science to beauty. Like we have ingrained in our brains that anything that measures fire or the Fibonacci sequence or the golden mm. ratio, and I'm sitting in the crowd going, I don't even know what those three words are. Right. What are you talking about? But if you make the face more fire, no, this is what I love the most, no matter your race, age, or gender, you will find that person more attractive. And then he went into the whole fire, how, you know, Every Leonardo da Vinci painting is fire. Then Aston Martin based their cars on fire. Apple Mac use it to design every single product they make. Okay. And I'm sitting there and there was this aha moment and I'm like, wow, there is a science. And I think what really has, again, back to that word question about being creative, yeah. I think now I realise for me there was always, I looked at the face, tried to mathematically work it out why you can be, you can do crazy makeup, but I always wanted someone to look beautiful. Right. So now I go, if you think you're not creative, there's actually a science to it. If you can learn that part first, the creativity comes second. So right. I think for me, I was, the creativity didn't always happen naturally. It happened a little bit later through my career. And funny, one of the photos we're talking about today yeah. is a photo that happened so traumatically and accidentally. That was the moment I realized, oh, hang on. I, I did something so wrong, but it yep. worked amazingly. Is that the first one? The feather shot, the mocking yeah. photo. Can let's I tell a, you how that yeah. happened? Yeah, let's talk about that one. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. I actually have to have a lot of therapy over this one. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so I saw a movie the night before. This is fate. So I watched a movie called Mothman Prophecy with Richard Gere. And there was a scene in the movie where these moths hit the windscreen and they just flash these crazy feather colours. And yeah. the photo yeah. I've got actually is one. There's a series that I did. And I'm on this, again, non-creative job. So going yeah. back to the early part of my career, there was not a lot of creative. I mean, I was doing brides and I was doing like, but th this one day I was doing a Telstra commercial. I want to know what the equivalent that is in Canada. So it's like your um, mobile phone server. Sure. Who would you have, who would be, who'd be the most common mobile phone provider. server in Canada? Okay. Oh, yeah. Provider. Like, you can throw a name at me. I mean, but Bell. Okay. Bell. Okay. Let's say, let's say I'm doing commercial for Bell. So it's real, it's people just, it's the most boring job in the world. And yeah. photographers like he's bored, I'm bored. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we, we were finished early and I yeah. said, oh, he said, let's do some beauty photographer. We've got a model here. Anyway, I could not blend very well. I wasn't very good with blending. I just okay. didn't have that, you know, drawing ability. Yeah. I had my airbrush gun there and I thought oh, I might just do a smoky eye on her with black eyeshadow. And because I wasn't good at blending, I used to airbrush everybody. It was just something that, again, that I I had to learn other skills because I wasn't natural. Or I didn't have that natural hand, that natural artistic hand. Yeah. So I got this airbrush gun, but I didn't realise it, it clogged. 
and what happened. <laughs> so she's sitting there and I'm airbrushing with this air and this absolute explosion of black paint <laughs> just hit her face, yeah, so hard that she screwed her eyes up so tight. She's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Thank God nothing got in her eyes. But when she opened her eyes, that makeup just appeared. I did nothing. That was wow. just the paint exploding on her face. Amazing. And we took one, I, and it's funny because I wasn't, you know, I was on a Telstra ad, so we, we had um, boring clothes and I remember pulling earrings off the stylist and, of course, when you start yeah. makeup, we always love using feathers and glitter and yeah, everything yeah. shiny and I just pulled feathers out and stuck them on her head, took a photo, and that photographer had never done beauty before either. His name's Ivan Dipetrovsky. Um, uh-huh. And I sent that photo to one of the biggest magazines at the time called, I think it was uh, uh, Tush Magazine. Okay. in Germany. And I didn't know that you weren't allowed to do that, by the way. I now know you must get, you know, agreements from the photographer, right. but um, they put it on the cover. And wow. that, so from that moment, I got booked straight. I went straight to Vogue, Harper's. Amazing. I didn't get to do the normal, you know, you do your Marie Claire and you, no, you start from like your Dolly and your Cleos and you work up. So yeah. I was thrown. And the, the thing about the therapy thing was though, I, I spent so much of my life beating myself up saying yeah. that was an accident. That happened accidentally. You know, I didn't do that. It wasn't what it was meant to be. And yeah. my therapist told me a story and I wish I could remember the name of the artist, but I can't. But he told me the story about this famous, I'll find the name, this famous um sculpture in Paris, I think it was early 1900s, and he had to get his sculpture taken to the Louvre. It was actually going to be moved. Okay. And the, the couriers dropped it on the way. Okay. And so the and this artist, it was his life's work, and this artist was called to the Louvre and it was all smashed. And he walked in and he saw it and he yeah. said, exact words were, now it's perfect. <laughs> and it sits in the Louvre to this day. Wow. And it's like, okay, I've got to see the fact that I saw it as beautiful and I didn't take it off and I photographed it. I, it took me a long time because I thought I was, you know, that perfect Olympic Games where, um, you know, three people fall over and the fourth person wins, but they didn't yeah. really win. That's yeah. kind of how I always felt. I always felt, yeah, but it was an accident. And right. so now you're, you're saying I'm this amazing artist, but it was, so that was a real, um, in Australia it's called the Bradbury because we have this famous ice skater okay. who was a speed skater. And I think he was coming um, in fifth or last or something and five other, the world's best ice skaters fell over and he yeah. won. <laughs> and he makes a mockery. There's jokes, there's commercials man it's called a Bradbury so I felt like I was a bit like a Bradbury (laughs) anyway moving forward but But that's that's why that, that that photo changed my life and on that point like you know once you'd finished it and it like it changed your life people are like oh I love I love what you did there and they're like can you recreate that or you're like my gun was clogged. It blew up. Yeah. Like, did you exploded. did you ever have to kind of fess up to it and say, like, that was an accident? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I did, but then what I because of I was the most insecure creative in the world. I thought I've got to prove myself. So what I did because I saw how easy that effect was. Yeah. I then followed on and did six other photos that the next day okay. using the same technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just would, but yeah. So I've done and that, and it was a really and another amazing moment was Andrew Lesney. He's now passed away. He was the Academy Award DOP for Lord of the Rings and King Kong. Okay. And again, another moment from that one photo, I did a series of them, and he booked me for this job, and I went. 
to his, he has this beautiful gallery and I walk yeah. in and all five photos are framed on his wall oh, and wow. he framed me. Yeah. So this photo really, it really, I mean, still to this day, people still say, oh my God, I love that photo. Yeah. And, but Mothman, if you can see too, like what I do love about it, the movie the night before, what made me do the other images the following day was it was seeing the colours and the moth hit the windscreen. And if you look mm. at the photos, it's very hard to describe in a podcast, but um, <laughs> but that's why I called it Mothman. That's the reason that the, the image is called that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you know, this is, I think this is what I like too about fashion i don't love everything about fashion but i like some things about oh, fashion. me too you know and and like let's let's be honest a lot of it is shit but totally. you know some what what is kind of cool about it i think is when all these things kind of align you know and like so yeah you know you've got this like everything about that shot is is you know it just it just clicks right like there's that serendipity you know, like, yeah like she's gorgeous her eyes are you know you know amazing the, the makeup's incredible the, the earrings look great. Like the lighting's fantastic. You know, it just all comes together. And like, it's real. Yeah. You know? And, and also for the photographer too, he, from that, he got booked for beauty, the model, it yeah. projected her career as well. So it yeah. just projected so many, so many people. And I, and I think that's with a lot of the work that you look on my Instagram, because a lot of, most of the creative stuff that you see me with the Vogue or the Harper's credits I've done that myself because I find that I create my best thing where I'm not scared because I am anxious yeah. I do worry and pain. my own head talk is just oh but um <laughs> I find I I do my favorite things when I fail or make a mistake and I feel yeah. that's why I like to organize my own shoot so yeah. I can fail in front of my friends and <laughs> go oh shit yeah. what was I thinking let's just do that again you oh, know when there's a client sitting there it's like oh it just all changes the the whole totally. vibe of the shoot yeah I mean I've, I've talked about that with other people too it's kind of like you know, even for something, again, like I think you can apply this to a lot of different arts or creative arts. Um, you know, it's 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 wonderful when you're doing it and you're doing it just because you enjoy it. And, and frankly, many of the things, you know, for photographers, like free creative shoots, like those are the best shoots, right? Because Absolutely. there's no frigging client looking over your shoulder saying, mm. I need to do this. And like that just saps the fun and what well, yeah. can sap the fun and energy out of out of things so and and beauty and taste like I always say you can't you can't teach taste um yeah yeah and and also too like people say you know when you do makeup someone doesn't like it don't take it personally but how can you not I mean you did choose that color you did choose this you did choose that and and having people look at your work that you believe is the most best thing you could possibly do and people go oh don't like how like because they don't know that you've done you've given that makeup everything you've got like there's never been a makeup that I've gone oh, I'll just slap it on my care I mean the care and the like I do find of every single makeup shot and this is I I used to think this is negative but I don't think it is now but even to this day there's not one makeup shot that I've got that I go that was perfection and it's not mm. only it might be that it might look perfect but maybe how I felt on the day wasn't perfect or maybe the model was annoying or something was wrong and and yeah. And so when you're doing a face so much, you, you know, you've got the model, her emotions and normally in a chair totally. talking about being a therapist, that's where you've got so much on your plate. And so I find by the time I've done the makeup, I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> so you do want those spaces where you can do it. And even the model's like, you know what, I love this or I love that. Yeah. And you can do that. You can't do that with a client yeah. around. So you're right. Best yeah. things happen when there's no, not that kind of pressure. Yeah, I know. I wish, you know, it'd be great if life was like that all the time, but sadly. I know. We have to do There's people though, that can create with the pressure. There is. I just don't. I, I think I'm too self-critical. I'm too sensitive. That's all. Yeah. I think that's my, 
you know, that's my issue. Very well, insecure. I, I mean, I think a lot of people put on the front that they they aren't sensitive to it. Yeah. Maybe that's the secret. Like maybe those, maybe oh, totally. for those people, they just kind of like, you know, it's like water off a duck's back. They just say, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. But deep down, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, ouch. Like, you know, so. Are you what I say? I always say they're the really, sometimes arrogant, but the real, sometimes overconfident people, creatives on the set. Yeah. I have this little saying in my head. It's, I always think to myself, they are two quality questions from bawling like a baby. Like all you need yeah. to do is yeah. tuck that little trigger point and boom, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think you're right. The more the more people put on, it's like even with actors and actresses and the oh, ones yeah. I find that are really hard work. I mean, honestly, I, you just start to see, okay, that's just the, they, there's pain there and that's what they're covering. And so yeah. that's what I start to think now, you know, if they're that upset about a lipstick, this has got nothing to do with a lipstick. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I mean, I'll, I mean, you know, just kind of on a different tangent, but people sometimes say to me, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry I screwed that up. And I'm like, believe me, there are much bigger things to worry about in the world yeah. than this little thing. Like, don't yeah. worry about it. And so, yeah. Um, There's a saying I have on set, actually, when people are just being absolutely horrid about stupid. I, I just say to myself, meanwhile, in Syria, that's just right. what I say. It's yeah. like, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. No, totally. That's a good one. Speaking of maybe those people, I'm not sure. Yeah. You I haven't, but Naomi Campbell. Like I've, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you rehash the story. Cause I, I know you've said it many times, but she, you know, the, the, when you're there with her, she says, somebody fix this for me. You're like, I can do that. And next thing. Oh you know, no, I didn't. I didn't say did I could it. do that at all. I was terrified. So yeah. I was, Naomi Campbell, I always say it's two, literally probably two seconds, probably five seconds of yeah. her life that she's never remembered that completely <laughs> changed mine. I was just in Istanbul as a hairdresser. Yeah. And because I was really good at working with Afro hair, yeah. um, I was backstage. She was a judge. I was I had a lot of spare time in the, the organisation of this pageant. It was called Best Model of the World Pageant mm. in Istanbul. And um, they just put me in the back room with the judges and Nomi was there with her makeup artist and something happened mm. and she was like lips, 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 and she just looked at me and I was just like, and this is at a time I was terrified of her. I'd never yeah. done makeup. Yeah. It was at the time where she was in the press a little bit for being a little bit cranky. Yeah. Mm. I remember looking, I remember the phone, thing was she was smoking had two mobile phones this is at the time when mobile phones were just a thing yeah and I just looked at the desk and it was like a clear lip gloss and I thought well I can't go wrong and I was shaking mm. and all I did seriously is put like lip balm on her lip that's all I did <laughs> and unfortunately this is before the internet can you believe what I'm saying before the we even had internet <laughs> and um, I was photographed doing her lips and then I came back to Australia and I was seen as this international makeup artist <laughs> and unfortunately I'm going to say I lied and went yeah I can do that yeah right. I can do that and yeah and traumatized myself and yeah. learned on the job and I remember the moment I became there was two moments I actually did get proper training when I came back from that event I got asked to teach what I was taught a little makeup course on school holidays now all I've done is put lip balm on Amy Campbell's lips I've done no training yeah. I was a fully qualified hairdresser and we got we got taught like probably two minutes two hours of makeup, but I did makeup on myself. So I thought I had a bit of an idea and I turned up to this yeah. college 
for school holidays think it's school kids they won't know much I can help them Mm. and what it was all the makeup colleges had flown in their directors of makeup education to me to be taught by me for a two-week course I knew nothing so what I did with my little um clever manipulative mind yeah which I can't believe I did this but I, I what I did is I went okay so I never demonstrated a single thing because I couldn't do anything yeah. and I they all had models and there was probably 20 educators we're talking they've been makeup artists for 20 years plus right and I said right everyone show me a red lip and I'd walk around the room and find the best person who did the best lip and I'd stand there and I'd watch and learn watch and learn watch okay, and learn okay. then I'd move Clever. to the other corner of the room yeah, yeah. I'd go to the other corner and talk about what I just learnt three seconds ago. And then I, thank goodness, I lived with two awesome drag queens in yeah. Brisbane and, like, the next day I knew I'd be teaching them false lashes. So they'd stay up all night with me. Right. How bad is this? Learning lashes and the next day that would be the class. And so I'm just going to fast forward that. So I saw uh, um, one of those educators 20 years later okay. and he said to me, to this day it was the best course oh they had God. ever done because yeah. it was all hands-on. Right. They got to see how yeah. everyone worked because everyone that goes to a course, it's one person in the room talking. Yeah. They don't get to do it. And they, he said it was the best. And I actually had to admit, <laughs> I said, I knew nothing. And I went, so... In, in short, I actually lied, um, Mark. That's how I got to. But anyway, but from that story, I thought I'd better go and learn how to become a makeup artist. So I was very lucky to meet Richard Sharrow, who's also passed, but he was David Bowie's colorblind makeup artist and he invented, he was, he was, he actually designed Ziggy Stardust. I've wow. seen the drawings. Okay. Yeah. And um, he, he did teach me. I was one of his last students and that. Oh, so wow. I did get some training and yeah. the best in the world. So I was very lucky. I was going to say, like, you know, earlier we were talking about kind of where I asked you about that, you know, creative fire in you. And you're like, I don't, I didn't really know I had it. I mean, I'd st- I would still argue that you have it, but. I do. You, yeah. You do have it. You do have really, it. Really yeah. <laughs> but maybe your, maybe your superpower is that, and I think this would be true because you've done a lot of other stuff, like, you know, in your career, like maybe your superpower is just that ability to you know, think on uh, in the, right in the moment, uh, yep. make lemonade, yep, make lemonade from lemons, you know, and, and off you go. Like Absolutely. You're, good, you're good at that. I'm really good in a crisis. Yeah. I'm really good at a crisis and I'm, I'm that, and I think it's a dyslexic thing as well. I know how to think outside the box. And I really think too, I think it's my eye for something I love. Like I think what mm. I love may be um, I always say that with, with makeup artists, you know, um, when, when you go on even social media and stuff, you can tell so much about an artist by what they do because you get to see what they love and what their taste is. And I just think right. for me, even I've got to stop worrying about um, and what I learned earlier on, like some of my favourite piece of art in the world, if you look at how it's done, it can be the simplest thing, but it's the thought of what you do. And one of my favourite quotes ever, I never... I never forget this moment. I was backstage. It was Galliano shows for Dior in Paris. Mm, and mm. there was two things. Well, actually one of my favorite quotes ever, someone asked John Galliano, they said, so we all come to you for inspiration. Where do you go to? And his yeah. answer just was that aha moment. He said, I never reference a reference. We go straight to the source. 
So that show was the Egyptian show and yeah. for that show they didn't just look at books about Egypt, they actually went to Egypt. So there was right. something about going to the source. But then there was this other question that followed on from that which they asked Guido, who's one of my favourite hairdressers in the world, mm. and he said when you and Pat um, work together, um, you know, you do the craziest shoots, you do the one where there's so much hair and makeup and there's so much going on. Yeah. What is it that makes your images so incredible? And he said this answer, and I to this day, every day I do a makeup, I think of it. He said, it's really simple. I just make sure there's always one thing missing. Mm. And I went, hang on, whoa. Yeah. And he said, it's what you don't do that's the most powerful. And I thought, that's what I have to think when I'm doing a makeup sometimes when I don't put anything on a girl's face, that's still being a makeup artist because I yeah. chose not to do anything. For sure. You know, it, so I think I, I learned early, oh, okay, so I've got to stop thinking about mm-hmm. I, I don't, might not have the, the brush strokes of Picasso, right. but I can see what's beautiful and sometimes that's the talent of doing yeah. nothing to something that's already beautiful is as talented That's what I've really learned. And I learned that from as an educator too because a lot of my makeup students, when I used to try and teach this to them earlier on, and some of the most iconic makeups for, say, Dior or for the shows, and like my favourite makeup artist, Pat McGrath, there was some shows where it was like one diamond, one diamante on a nose. And I remember them going, oh, but I could do that. I said, no, but you don't understand, one, the fact that she was allowed to do that what she'd right. had to achieve to even be asked to do that true got to respect the artist true and two that the choice in doing like there's a choice in that she just didn't it's not you you see it as oh that's easy to do but you're not thinking of the mind behind what she did yeah and that's what I had to that's what I've, I've taken the pressure off myself a little bit about no I might not be able to do the most perfect line but it's yeah, yeah. so much more to it so yeah. that was a very long answer wasn't it <laughs> no it's good though I mean it's, it's it covered everything and I think like it made me think actually of something Jez said to me you know he said he gets paid they probably I'm probably butchering this but he said something to the effect of he gets paid to do what he does because of his aesthetic. You know, people want absolutely like his, they don't, they don't, you know, any, not anybody, but like, you know, photographers push the button and take a picture, but they're paying jazz for his vision. Absolutely. You know, you know it's so. like when you play, when you pay Dior or you pay um, Versace or you pay, like that's the thing. What I do say to photographers and makeup artists, like, the dangerous thing you can do is be everything to everybody because you will get every job and you'll be expected to do everything, but you'll be also be expected to do everything really well, which can be really hard. But if you can stay in your lane and you look at, you know, Paolo Reversi is my perfect example. He's my favourite photographer. He's on my dream list before I die. And (laughs) you would never go to him to shoot um, a swimwear campaign. You just would never do that Mm. um, because there's such a style. There's, There's a risk to take, but... I mean, I'm kind of lucky because most I do get booked for very complicated jobs. I get booked yeah. for the very close-up, very detailed where every lash is so important and, and yeah. my makeup kit is the biggest makeup kit. I'm not worse to travel with. I'm <laughs> 60 kilos and plus. I'm not the one that just gets all the really easy, natural clean, but I can, I'm lucky because I'm one of the few that does get booked for both. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've got to – it's interesting. If you want a career, you know, you've got to people, – people won't – pay and book you to do something that you might do for them but if you're already doing what they like they'll book you for it so just do do what you want to be booked for is totally the best advice i I find the same thing with photography too you know like i think absolutely you kind of need like 
and I, but I think this is true for probably anything in life, you know, like if you, and if you try and replicate what somebody else is doing and you're, it's not your lane, you know, it's not where you want to be, it's going to be crap and you're not going to be happy. Right. So like I find, I find even with photography, like I don't like to shoot with a lot of like, I, you know, heavy studio strobe lights and stuff. I like, I much prefer natural light. Me too. And and I'm happier when I do that. And frankly, the models are much happier when I'm doing that too. And I think yeah. you know, clients like that. And I'm like, I, I kind of forgave myself a little while ago. I was just like, just do you, you know? Like, Absolutely. Just do you. So I'm because glad to Because you will be stuck in a studio. Like if you light everything and you're indoors, there is photographers that that's all they get booked for. And it's like, well, you're not always going to, you might not get the most beautiful location jobs, you know, you yeah. and natural light. It's pretty hard to beat. So no, absolutely. Do, do you. And, and the, and the great thing to remember too, I mean, we have the internet now. So mm-hmm. in, in a time before the internet to find a photographer that shot natural, it'd be so hard. And yeah, I know there's 20,000 more of everything on the internet. There's also 20,000 more clients. Yeah, so, true, true. you know, it's, but that's why you need to just stay and do what you love. Hey, let's talk about your second picture. This is a, a real magical, every time I see this photo, actually, I'm even, I've got to st- I tear up every time I see yeah, this photo because yeah. of this absolute three-second moment we had this photo taken. Okay. And it was, again, it was one of these yin-yang yin, moments. So I'm in Berlin. I got flown to keynote speak at a, it's, a, um, it's called The Makeup Show. So, again, okay. I was, like, blown away. I even got asked to speak at something like that. And I love Berlin. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm there and I did my show and I, oh, I've never been to Germany. And I really wanted to, you know, to do the Holocaust part of Germany. Yeah. It's, it's really important to do that. And mm-hmm. so that was really on my mind to do it. And because I knew what I was doing it the next day, I had a tour guide organized and whatever. Okay. All that day, the questions I was being asked, I just felt just weren't important. Right. Like I kept getting asked all that. It's a question I get slightly uncomfortable with. And it's that question of saying, what celebrities have you worked with? And I automatically yeah. feel they're not more important and I know that people love to hear it but I always feel I don't know I just feel awkward like it's yeah you know I I can do celebrities but it's not my it's not what I I mean it's not my I base my career on that's the person why I haven't gone to LA it's and just done that I don't want to be known and I just don't like that that moment of oh because celebrities are more important because they're not yeah so all day I'm like I'm in Germany I want to see this holocaust off and this is just I don't really care about all this makeup and rainbows mm. and glitter and but I yeah. still that was there to do a job so I did that and the next day my tour guide was just amazing she's this Jewish girl she loved makeup and she um was asking me like again the same questions like who's the first person who's the one that you want to meet the most and yeah. I think at the time I said oh Madonna and again feeling really awkward talking about this and it was sure. just this awkward it's like putting me someone in a war zone asking them about instagram it was just yeah. i just hated this but she was just being really nice and trying to talk to me more anyway sure. so then i she took us to we went around and saw the most horrific but incredibly awe-inspiring places and then we ended up in this beautiful place in berlin i won't pronounce because i don't want to like not say it correct but it's this mm-hmm. 
Brostor. And the basic story was, it's a famous story, it's a museum on a German man um, called Otto White, W-E-I-D-T, and he was incredible. He was German. He actually did lose his sight, I think, halfway through his life. He was German, but he had this Brostor, and he actually, I'll tell, it's quite a long story, I'll tell the short version. <laughs> he and he kept 33 to 34 blind completely blind, some of them are blind and deaf, Jews, safe, mm-hmm. hidden in his workshop mm-hmm. for three, I think three years or five years, three to five years, um, and kept them safe. And then what had happened was the story was when um, they were taken to Auschwitz, he had enough medical supplies and stuff to buy them back and get them back safely, right? Okay. But what had happened was the woman in Berlin, the, our translator was telling us there was one woman who really, um, if you look, there's a famous photo from this Berlin um, store and there was a one woman called um, Inga, Inga Deutsch, I won't pronounce her, I won't pronounce her last name yeah. um, incorrectly. Anyway, there was a one Jew, one Jewish woman who worked there who had vision she could see. So what she would do, she risked her life every day to go out and just get medical supplies like drugs and insulin and, and food and she every day this woman did it came yeah. back stayed there and looked after and fed and looked after all these blinders and the photo you'll love there's a famous photo of her Otto and all the Jews and not one of them's looking at the camera bar her because they're all blind they can't see the person yeah. taking the photo of them yeah and um That's what funny. was so amazing she was the reason yeah she was the reason they had so much stockpile so when he went to Auschwitz to save them, she was the reason he had all the insulin, blah, blah. But what was incredible, so we went into this tiny little bookstore, sorry, brush workshop where they all were kept for all this time and we just couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. And then she, I said to her as we were, you know, we did this tour and it was incredible, and I said to her, so who, like, who would you like to meet one day? And she said to me, well, of course, Inga. She's yeah. the woman who could see she's still alive. Yeah. Um, no one's ever seen her around here for years. And I, I, I'm famous, but I'm probably the most used tour guide. I know more about this store than anyone else. Yeah. Um, I've met the granddaughter of Otto but never met her. And I think, I, th- I don't know if it was 10 years or 15 years that no one had seen her, she did or whatever, whatever. Mm. And as I'm talking to her, she's looking over my shoulder and she's just tearing and she's just <clears> starting <throat> to cry. And I said, are you okay? And she said, oh, my God, she's here. And I went, what? She goes, that's her. And I went, what? And so we've all turned around and this beautiful woman, Inga, is standing right there in this bookstore. She just came and visited that day, that moment. And I just, and it was just this moment of, we're like, can we have a photo? And she just had this most beautiful smile and she sat down and we took this photo. And if you can see, if you we're all crying. All of us are like, oh, 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 my God. So it was this day of like, Everyone's asking me, who do you want to meet? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And this is the one person in her whole life. She's, you know, studied this woman. And this is the one moment I was with her talking about celebrities. And there's yeah. a beautiful photo of my tour guide sitting next to Inga. Oh, wow. And she's the happiest person of all just like ah, in oh. that bookstore where she actually spent those three years of her life. She was, I think it was longer than that. So that photo just means it was Amazing. just that moment about meeting a celebrity yeah. and what a celebrity in <clears> your world means. It's not always someone famous to the world. So that's why that photo is really special to me. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Holy cow. So that, yeah, right. Yeah. Some of, some of your work, which I've looked at, um, it's, it's, it's kind of dark. Like, yeah. do, do you ever like, oh. do you, like, no, I, wanna, yeah. I don't know if dark's the right word, but it's kind of No, like, I love that you said that though. 
You know, like I, one of the, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the questions I had, uh, was going to ask you was like, that there's a sense of like geometry and like architecture. My dad was an architect. So I think that's why I've always liked, that's why I've liked photography. I love design. I love shapes and stuff, but I think. My architecture is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. But I was going to say, you know, uh, were you, were you, are you inspired by design and architecture? And now I think I'm going to pivot a little bit and say, like, are you inspired sometimes when you do that kind of darker look, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like by, by heavy stuff, like this? Yeah. Yeah. Represents. I think I am. And I, and I think sometimes too, I, what's the word? Sometimes I feel when you take a supermodel mm. and you make them look like Victoria's Secret's probably an example. Yes, it's beautiful, whatever, but I think it's also confronting and it's so far from reality right. that sometimes I like taking the taking the prettiest looking things, not making them ugly, I'm not trying, but just not always making them glittery and girly and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just like to And I also have tried, and this is something that, and this is why Jez and I have such a great connection, that Mm. sometimes when I do a piece of work, I I think if I make something, if I say something really pretty, pretty feminine and put something dark on it, I kind of neutralise everything. Right. So when I look at it, there's, I can have a different mood. Like it can be anything I want it to be when I look at it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, you're right, dark. And I just think I just don't – I've never – I think if you look at me too, I only wear black. Um, <laughs> I don't – I'm not a girly girl. I've really yeah. struggled. I don't wear dresses. I don't um, – so to be to be a girly makeup artist I've actually kind of struggled with. Um, mm-hmm. I love things looking really feminine, but I've, I've found – and like to, with makeup, even with models, I love androgynous-looking models. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I like doing beauty on boys more than, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like, I just, yeah, I just find I'd like to, if there's a boy, I probably, if the boy looks masculine, I'd probably drum up the femininity if the yeah. girl's really pretty. Yeah. I just, I maybe for me, actually it's a really, really good question. I, I, I don't identify being really girly. So maybe that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a, I never thought of it like that. But yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I like you, that you noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. But I mean, like even, even the two, photos um that you you chose like if i'm i'm, I'm looking at them kind of side yeah, by side right funny now you say that and they're both like they're yeah. both they're both dark like there's a there's a certain oh, yeah. there's, there's a seriousness to them right um, yeah. there's an intensity to them and they're both they both have that kind of androgynous like it's funny it's funny you mentioned like the whole androgyny thing too because i, I don't think i'm i'm finding a, like a secret of fashion here or anything but like When you look at like, you know, models faces that, you know, people are saying like, this person is beautiful. It it Mm. is very much could be male or female. Like if you just isolated the face, the eyes, you didn't look at, you know, and I, I've, I've often wondered about myself, like looking at some of these pictures, you're like, boy, I really like that. But also too, I think for our age, we don't have to say that out loud, but you know, well, I just turned 50, but I grew up in the eighties. So for me, the first faces I ever saw, I saw more boys wear makeup than girls did. So boy, George, Marilyn, all the people, Duran, Duran, all those. And I just thought that was so beautifully attractive. They were just, and I just, I think because they weren't that, I think that really um, extreme masculinity sometimes I was, it not intimidates me, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just don't feel threatened. I suppose growing up by 
boys who wore makeup, you know, as yeah. a girl, you know, all my favorite friends were all the gay boys. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was something about, I just find it interesting. I, and that's the thing too, I like to not be predictable with makeup. And I think that's me covering, I always was covering up for thinking I didn't have the talent. So I thought if right. I do something a bit different, right. it'll distract the way that I didn't do the rainbow perfect. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, thought, yeah. Yeah, and if you look, and again, if you look at a lot of my makeup, if you dissect it, a lot of it's really easy to do. Like it's actually, it's not that, di- or it was a mistake or it's something I just made up and I wiped something off and I'm like, oh, that, that happened mm. magically. But, yeah, so maybe that that's a really um, interesting insight that you have. <laughs> but I think it's Thank your, you it's, for noticing. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I like to, I like to give back. And, um, Good. Right. <laughs> Um, but I don't like to be like everybody else, and that's great. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's, I think that that's a, and it, it wasn't meant to be an insight. Mm. It was really just an observation. But like, I think, you know, when you ask other people, when you look at something too much, you think of it one way. But then if you ask somebody, and I, and yeah. I you know, your best friends, and you say, hey, you know, if I hadn't been a makeup artist, what do you think I should have been? And there, you know, it's kind of those people who give you the honest answer, you know, that, well, you know, you should be doing this. So, in the same way, it's kind of like, well, this is, this is kind of what I see when I look at your makeup. Right. And I, you know, we don't really know each other. So maybe that was, maybe that's it. There you go. It's a takeaway. Well, funny you just say, because remember we had, when we just, when I met you on the phone, just before we started, we were talking yeah. about um, child psychology. And I said, oh, if I was in a makeup class, I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. So that's yeah. not dark. right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Said, yeah. You're, you're right. right. You are so right. You're right. You're so you're right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Out of, out of therapy and back to the, back to the podcast. Back to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what, I mean, you've done, a, you've done, you've done tons of stuff, right? You've, 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 you've written books, amazing books. You've got products, your brushes, you teach, you obviously still do incredible, um, work as a makeup artist. Is there something you're kind of most drawn to, or you feel most at home? in of those things? Yeah, definitely. I, my, I've got probably two equal answers of that. And one okay. is when I'm doing my creative makeup, my crazy makeup when there's no client. Yeah. Um, that's because it's, I just can, and with, when I'm with really amazing creatives, I just, because I respect the craft so much. I always have this funny saying too, I like being the weakest link. I love when yeah. I've got photographer friends that are just mind blowing and they yeah. take something that I do that I think looks okay and they blow me away. I have a saying when I'm shooting, it's like if something turns out how I've expected it, I'm disappointed. So that I love. I just love seeing what I think I'm, is my idea than working with creatives that take something that you've done and make it look 10 yeah. times better. That's yeah. it. And second thing, working, um, creating brushes, and this is not at all a sales plug, I promise, but I found the last living Japanese master left alive in the world. I've had to film a documentary on him. Um, creating um, tools. I didn't think I'd love it so much, but Mm. I'm obsessed um, because I have this whole calligraphy technology and just I I really love finding like like it takes 60 steps to make a brush and I just love sitting with, I guess, again, it's just being around artists that do things that I would never, I wouldn't even come close to being able to do, but being able to see how and why and how something's made and why they do this and I, I just find that incredible like I'm probably not the person that I'm not the makeup artist that likes to go out and and Instagram my food and um I don't know just that's not me I like to Mm -hmm. just I think just being around other 
creatives who don't do what I do. Actually, mm-hmm. another thing too, I must admit, I do have a very big circle of friends who are makeup artists. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think just hanging around, hanging around my own tribe. I think yeah. that's what I really, really enjoy. I think growing up, I was always the clumsy one or if I'm around, um, you know, members that don't do what I do, you can't, a lot of makeup art, well, I feel this, like it's like it's not a real job or. Yeah. Um, so I do, I find the thing I love the most is just spending time with people who, yeah, in my tribe. I think that's something I really admire and just thinking random creative stuff. I'm hanging around a director a lot at the moment. I'm trying to get him to shoot the documentary in Japan and mm. we just sit there and we just talk about the most random. Actually, funny news about architecture before. Um, my favourite is a Japanese architect called Tadeo Endo. Yeah. And I went back. I can't believe you're the first person to say this, though, because there's a photo I did of a black cross on a man's face. Mm-hmm. And it was only yesterday I went, oh, my God, because one of my favourite things this architect did is a thing called the Church of Light. I'm sure you may not, but if you don't, you have to Google it. He's done this church with no lighting. He just put a, a split in the concrete. Okay. And as the mass happens at that exact moment, the sun comes through this church and it makes the most glorious cross you've ever seen all yeah. with natural light at the yeah. right time. Right. And um, yeah, so we just, yeah, so that's, I don't know what the question was, but I'm just going on this <laughs> rant. Of, I think it's, yeah, doing, just being with people who get me because I'm, you know, not, yeah. you know, if I, it's hanging on my own tribe, I think is, yeah. is my favorite place and place to be what's creating or talking or, yeah, yeah that's my favorite well, thing. Yeah. I mean, the question, the question was about like, what are you most proud of? And then oh, okay. you kind of started to, oh, talk, I, can, oh, no. I can tell you that one. No, but I that's think it's, a, that's a, is it, I, I, I liked your answer because I think, oh, great. I think what, um, you kind of, let me just recap for you. You went on and you started talking about, um, you know, the brushes. But I think the thing that I was thinking about as you were saying that too was just, I think you just like being around people that can, you know, you can learn things from. I call them my baked beans friends. I don't know what the equal thing is over there. It's the friends that come over and you don't have to get off the chair or worry about what you got in the fridge because yeah. we're all the same. But actually funny you said if the, if I thought of just that question, I had 30 seconds to answer, it would be my books. And the reason for that is I'm seriously dyslexic. <laughs> so the fact that I have the word author attached to me, I yeah. still to this day go, you're not talking about me. And they yeah, went yeah. bestseller and I did them going, no one's ever going to buy this. Why would anyone buy my book? Why? Right. Um, so just that achievement, like dyslexic. I mean, I had to record everything and someone had to type it. Actually, my ghostwriter said she had to take the word out shit over 130 something times <laughs> because yeah. I swear so much and my brain just I, I get really distracted my yeah. husband says I've got not ADHD it's called ADOS which is attention deficit oh shiny so I'll start talking <laughs> but then I'll just randomly yeah so what are we having for lunch today and then I'll, yeah so yeah. the fact that I was able to do that being dyslexic I, I find yeah that's my achievement it'd be like someone saying to me that you're going to win a gold medal at the Olympic gym as a gymnast I'd go right. well, that's you know what I mean it's the same yeah. kind of thing yeah so yeah. I still find that like a shock yeah well I think that's your superpower I really do I think you're yeah. like I think you're um there's something there there's something there for sure well are you what I think it is I think and this is being like I was always anxious I'm I have worked on it on therapy and I'm working yeah. like my anxiety I just didn't think you could say no even with the book thing when I got approached by the biggest publishing one of the biggest publishing houses in the world yeah so I didn't know who they were 
at all. They never said their name. And they'd meet me in coffee shops and they'd talk to me about this book and I was just like, no, no, and I hated their ideas. Yeah. Um, and I remember the third time they came to meet with me. This is how bad and unres- I didn't do any research. Mm-hmm. On the third meeting, because it wasn't bad, bad ideas, but I wanted this, you know, only using, you know, certain photographers and I wanted this kind of blah, 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 blah. And their idea was like a crappy newspaper font stuck to the back of a weekly magazine. I'm like, no, don't want to do it. And I couldn't get a photographer to do that either. And on the third meeting, I actually said, I said, look, I've said to you my ideas, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sorry, what publishing house are you? I've I've never heard of you. And she went, I know, I'm I'm what publishing house, you know, because I've never heard of Alan and Unwin. And she said, oh. Haven't you? Have you heard of this book? And I swear, I think it was like Lord of the Rings or Shantaram or something. She pulled out of it and she went, oh. And I realized they're like one of the biggest publishing houses in the world. And my friend of mine, who's one of the heads of Sony Music, said, Ray, a publisher's, you don't understand, authors spend their life trying to get an appointment. You have one of the world's biggest publishing houses meeting with you saying, yeah. we want you to do a book. Shut up and just do it. And I went, do oh, it. okay. So like, just do it. <laughs> and, and again, that was, that was the thing about the last photo as well. What was yeah. so special about that is that I did a book, I shot it. I mean, I'm not happy with the quality of the paper. Um, I wrote it straight from the heart. And I remember I did makeup very differently from any, any, I read every other book and I'm like, well, I don't do makeup. I do the eyes first. I don't do the foundation first. And no, I don't mm. do it like this. And, and I'm just going to just say it how it is. And, yeah. and I remember reading Jamie Oliver's cookbooks because, again, being dyslexic, I love his cookbooks because you look yeah. at a picture and if you're five, you can kind of get the idea. And, yeah. and I remember doing it and, and the funny moment was choosing the cover and that's why the cover's important because I'd shot Miranda Kerr in the morning okay. and honestly she was just before she started dating Orlando Bloom. Yeah. And I remember going, she's gorgeous, but she won't be famous. I don't think she'll be that famous. <laughs> not not, not into the, I mean, I knew she'd be famous in the modelling world, but then Kathy McNeil, the girl who's actually on the cover, yeah. I shot her and she was extraordinary. And it's funny, we photographed her that day and the next day she went to New York and her agent rung me and said, you won't believe this, but Stephen Mizell has flown her to New York and he's put a contract on her that no one is allowed to take photos of her for a whole year. And I'm like, oh, so he's never done that for a model. So he basically he wanted to shoot her for everything. And so when he released the photos, he, like, I thought he's never done that. He's one of my favourite photographers in the world. Yeah. And I'm like, I've just shot a photo of her the day before, so I'm going to put her on my cover because right. everyone's going to know who she was. And, yeah. and the funny side of that is Miranda Kerr's become ten times more famous right. to the general public and, and Catherine McNeil, is the most one of the most famous models in the fashion world, but the general public yeah. don't get that. So I kind of like the fact that when people see her on my cover, not everyone knows who she is. And I've got Miranda like on one of the back pages going, oh, she'll never be famous. So I put her on the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and and I, I thought with the print run, damn, I'll put her on the cover. I'm like, no, you can't now. She's writing books. But damn, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> and you're so like, that, that's a special moment. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, Miranda, no, no, no. The, the back is where you need to be. The back yeah, the is back, the best Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, totally, you don't want to be on the cover. Totally. No, too obvious. Too obvious. Uh, too obvious. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How funny. And that that book's gone bestseller like over. Yeah. Oh, I think I lost count over ten times. I'm like, and it's in it's been translated to Russian, and and I just went really, really like, yeah. So it's yeah, been. Yeah. It was again one of those didn't think you could say no. Wrote a book. No one. Yeah. What does my husband always say? Um, 
he says two things to me. The first is speak losers. And when you do something, do it, you'll do the, you'll do your best work when you've got nothing to lose. And I'm right. like, right. you're right. Because if I do it, it doesn't sell. Well, no one's going to buy it anyway. Yeah. So again, do it without the fear. So I no, think that's why it did it's so true. well. Yeah. And that's something, you know, honestly, that's something about, it's something great about midlife. I'm, I'm learning too. Is like, yeah, you kind of got to the space now where you're like, well, I can screw up and it's, it's okay. Like if I, you know, I can do it without yeah. fear. I can just do it because I want to do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm learning from my experience. Screw ups are the best things that you ever do sometimes. Exactly. You know, it's like dropping that broken glass. If those couriers yeah. drop that broken statue, I mean, there you go. But yeah, it's having totally. the power to go, that yeah. was a screw up and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. I, I, I couldn't completely agree. Um, what, do you, what do you love most about, like I was going to say about your art, but I think it's much bigger to that. I mean, I think for you, it's kind of like you've got all these things going on. So what do you, what do you love most about, if you were to just say like your, um, you know, the things that keep yeah, you busy I right think, now, like what is it? I, I get, you know what it is? I just still get blown away that I have the job that I have. Like, I, yeah. again, I think of the girl who can't draw, the girl that never thought she could do makeup, the one that's dyslexic, the one that failed school, <clears throat> the one that still can't draw her own face charts. And like, you know, I tour with pink. I, mm. I, I get booked for these people and I just go, and, and just like, it, it's like, um, you just, everyone I work with is the best in their field. Like if I'm right. doing a music film clip, it's for one of the best artists in the country or the yeah. best photographer. And the, and I'm sitting there going, how did I end up in this situation? And, um, yeah, it, it's it's that. And the other thing I must, the fear but also the joy is when you get a celebrity, everyone, I always have this um, moment where people go, oh, it must be so exciting. No, it's mm. absolutely terrifying. And it's right. not the artist that I'm terrified, oh, a little bit, if I don't know what they're like. Mm. Um, the terrifying thing is I know the world's best makeup artists have also done their face. Right. So there's adrenaline of you've got to be, you've got to perform to the absolute, your best sometimes won't even be. The, your best for them you know what yeah, I mean so there's yeah. an adrenaline there's a and also every day I get really bored like I think of I've got okay I have this I'm going to do this shameless name dropping moment but Hugh Jackman <laughs> I looked after him many a times and he said to me once he said Ray I'm doing a movie yeah. I know you don't do movies do you want to come and do one and I went no and I <laughs> because I imagine doing the same thing every day all day but then he said this thing I mean you got to remember my background like so I grew up like Bogan, Brisbane, lived in a caravan or trailer, like really like grew up on a farm, did all that. Like I've lived with like that style growing up. So I I do like the finer things if I can have them. And he said the only catch is, oh, it's a movie called Australia. And I went, oh, whatever. And he said the only thing is we're sleeping in tents. And I said, Hugh, the only stars I sleep under are five. Just so you know. <laughs> and it's funny though. And I look back and I go, people go, how did you turn that down? I went, Hugh's, Hugh's great, but imagine two years of every morning, 5 a.m., getting up, putting, like I, like, I get bored on a TVC. Like, I hope no directors are watching this, but if I have a commercial that runs more for four days, I am over it. So my day is great because every day is different. So even if it's a bad day, it ends. So the yeah. next day can be the best yeah, day true. ever. And I love the unpredictability. Like, yeah. who gets a job where, what do you, what are you doing tomorrow? Like, I don't know yeah. now, like I don't know till five o'clock tomorrow. Am I working with a superstar, a, um, an actor, someone who's got an incredible story. And again, a lot of people I work with, the stories are incredible. Like I, I work with even someone who's being photographed for 60 minutes and I turn up and I find out they've got the most incredible. Yeah. So it's like, 
I learn about the world in my job as close to if I could be on a plane and get myself dropped at every history museum or every iconic place globally. But yeah. I, I, I can talk, I think I can talk about so many things because I've heard it live through the people that either made it or told it or, yeah, yeah. I, I just, my job's incredible. I love incredible. it. Incredible. I love it. I love it. And I love that you have this encyclopedic memory for all these great like lines and anecdotes that people have told you. I love that too. Do you have time for a quick? Do you have time for a quick fire? Sure. Round? All right. Yeah. Great. All right. So this is this is this is. Uh, I like to do this at the end because they're, they're fun. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Um, where and when do you think you were most happy? When I'm two minutes before I fall asleep. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Um, black and white or color photographs. Black and white. Okay. This is a one. This is the next question. Is one that Jez. Gave me a surprise answer too, but and it's it's, okay. it's unabashedly like Australian. So, okay. Tim, Tim Tams or chocolate digestives? Oh, I, chocolate digestives. Tim Tams too much chocolate, too much yeah. chocolate overload. Digestives. <laughs> I like to like peel the bottom bit off, yeah, and then I eat the top bit. No, I do. I prefer that. Tim Tams okay. too much. Yeah, too okay. much. Yeah, fair. <laughs> my yeah, my other like shameless like Australian question, which I took off, was Kylie or Midnight Oil. But I I took that one off. So anyway, no, no, don't Midnight Oil. I'm I'm surprisingly no, I'm not a Kylie. On the, I did her first cover here with yeah. her and Danny together. I just haven't been into her music. It hasn't oh. been my thing. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, Midnight Oil, absolutely. Okay. Um, favorite thing you like to do in your downtime? Sleep. Great. Dream. <laughs> or just subject. Be, this, as long as I am horizontal watching a podcast <laughs> or a movie on Netflix on something so random. Um, yeah, that's it. Not moving. Okay. <laughs> um, your dream <laughs> subject, if you could do makeup for somebody you haven't done yet, who might that be? Mm, makeup for someone. I'd like to be in the same room as Ricky Gervais. So if I could somehow yeah. get booked to do something on him, I know he wouldn't wear makeup. That him. Would, um, yeah, yeah, I just find him. I just think he's awesome and hilarious and he brilliant is. and genius. Yeah, so I think. Or, or Yoji Yamamoto. That would be amazing. Okay. Just to be in his presence would be great. Last one, go-to comfort food. Any hot chips. Just anything like. Like potato, any like potato hot chips with so much salt, it's disgusting. <laughs> like so That's, much salt, I need three liters of water just to cope yeah, with how no, much salt I just had. Yeah. And, and, and then you'd need that bed close by afterwards for a nap. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> that is it. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. That's it. Um, oh, that was so much fun. Yeah, thank that you was so fun. much. Yeah, I'm so happy you did that. What's, um, um, and thank you for doing this with the creators because that's what I said to you earlier. Like, it's the mind behind the creators I'm so interested in. So thank you. Totally. Thank you for um, doing this. My pleasure. Um, what do you, what's coming up for you? Anything Anything you can say that's exciting? Uh, oh, so, like so much. Oh my God, sure. so much exciting. Like, yeah, we've, um, 
I'm designing um, a makeup brush range for people who wear glasses. I'm about problem solving. That's amazing. And we're about to do a documentary um, in Japan um, because our brush maker is the, I think I mentioned earlier, the only um, master of craft left alive in the world. He can make a brush called the Tempenyo brush. He actually gifted the Emperor of Japan. The Emperor of Japan asked for one gift for all his guests and it was a brush made by him. It's a dying art. It's a dying craft because in Japan they don't write as much. So that is – and during that, during COVID times, there's lots of fun, let me tell you. So that's (laughs) an interesting um, challenge. But, yeah, so – and, again, every every day is a a journey and having a six-year-old in amongst all that is – yeah, being a I, mum through all this is also amazing and so challenging all at the same time. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, yeah. You know, for, for my listeners that are out there, please go and inspire yourself by looking at Ray's stuff. Uh, you got it. You need to look at it. It's incredible. And particularly after listening to this, you want to go and see. Uh, oh, and also, if you do Google Ray Morris, there's a famous singer called Ray Morris, both yeah. exactly the same name. So please, I do get some inboxes going, oh, your concert was so amazing. Or I get, the sound wasn't loud enough. And we quite, we laugh because she gets some of mine as well. So oh, yeah, Ray yeah. Morris makeup is That's just right. put that in. And it's R-A-E, not R-A-Y. Yeah, exactly. She's the, the, the singer's getting like, I love what you did with that smoky eye. And she's like, thank yeah. you. Thank you. And I get I the, I get the, oh, your vocals. Because, you know, deep down my dream is to have, you know, the, the vocals of Joss Stone. That's my yeah. dream. Yeah. Um, so I just take the compliments and go, yeah, that's me <laughs> in my other life. Thank you for that compliment. <laughs> you should you should swap lives one day and just see how that goes. Oh, this this so good. <laughs> for, so, for me, not her. Yeah, <laughs> No, yeah. for her, not me. Right. my voice. I'm the worst singer in the world. The worst. Oh, God. Um, if you do, if you do get a chance, please go check out Ray's website. It's Ray Morris, R-A-E-M-O-R-R-I-S.com. I'll put these in the, I'll put these in the notes of the podcast. Um, and you can also, uh, get a little visual into her, uh, stuff through her Instagram, which is at Ray Morris makeup. Um, Ray, just once again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Be my absolute pleasure. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you, Mark. My sincere thanks to Ray Morris for coming on the podcast today. And I, you know, I'm still wowed by the like inspiration I take from talking to these people and hearing about stories of getting into what they've done, uh, their inspirations, sometimes how things happen by accident and good fortune kind of comes their way. And just stories of perseverance. It's just great lessons, I think, for all of us creatives out there. Speaking of that, on the next show, we go to England, where I talk to British fashion designer Savannah Miller. Uh, Savannah is a very well-known designer uh, for her work in bridal, but she does everything. She's done lots of great work in the fashion world, and we hear about her beginnings uh, working with people like Alexander McQueen and others. Really cool. Lots of fun. You don't want to miss that. As always, if you've got comments or you want to give us a like or a follow, it's always appreciated. You know how to do that. And until we speak again, take care.